When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKick Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into the CHGO studios, Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me is a different CHGO crew, but still the CHGO crew. We got Jared Willis. Filling in for Vinny Duber, who is in a land down under. You can follow Jared on Twitter, J Willis, Y's instead of I's. Um, so J W Y L L Y S. I really get yeah. afraid that That's I'm going to mix up W's and Y's, even though they're completely different letters. Um, and that's Herb Lawrence. You Hello. can follow him on. You, you want to say that again? Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, nice to have you in here, Jared. It's good to be here. Been a little bit, but uh, yeah, good to hang with you guys and talk some White Sox mm-hmm. today. There's some stuff going on, not yeah. as not as active as maybe we'd like to be yet, but but that's baseball. Yeah, it's early. It's early in the off season, right? Free agency started and baseball's like, yeah, great. You you yeah. might we're good. <laughs> you might come back next year and we still might be right. in the same position. Yeah, that's the the beauty of it. I guess is we could have the same conversation a few months from now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed. Right. Uh, something has <laughs> changed since the last time you were here, and Jared is going to join us uh, tomorrow as well, and we're excited for that. Uh, but something uh, did happen, uh, at least with the White Sox. Tony Larusa is no longer the manager, and now Pedro Griffol is now the new man at the helm uh, and wearing Josh Harrison's old number, uh, number five. So what do you think? And I guess that's changed too. And A.J. Pollock. All right, so we got something. Yeah. Uh, but what have you made true. of the White Sox new hire and Pedro Griffol? Yeah, I mean – my initial sort of general reaction is that I like the fact that they did go outside of the organization. That's been a criticism of the White Sox for a while now is that they, they have been very insular and just kept it to managers who had previous connections to the organization. Lots of former players making their way through that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so, you know, first of all, just, yeah, glad to see them go outside of the organization And they picked a guy who, just in listening to him in the press conference, who I feel like at least says the things that you want to hear a new manager say about finding the balance between the analytical side of managing a baseball team and just the human side of it too. Because I think that's the the tension that a lot of managers live in right now is figuring out how do I handle these two aspects of the game and, and straddle that line appropriately. So I think he 
says the right things, but this is his first managing position. So it's going to be a different story come April, May, June, once he's actually putting this into practice and dealing with the real world situations that a baseball season brings. But yeah, early reaction. I like it. The players seem very excited. Rick Hahn seems really excited. That's it's the yeah, happiest yeah. I feel like I've <laughs> seen him in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so happy with all that. And I think what will be really big is, especially some of these younger players, if he can, I think, motivate some of these guys to push a little bit harder. There's a lot of talent there with some of the younger guys in the roster. But you don't want to say that they're not trying as hard as they could. But it did feel that way at times. I know there were a few veteran players uh, who made comments that if you kind of read behind the line, between the lines, you can – you can pick up what they're trying to communicate about the effort of some of these guys. So I think if he can work on that as well, we could see a lot of improvements next season. Yeah, and if you just got a guy or a girl off the street that knows baseball but not in the particular everyday things that go on with the White Sox, and you said this team underachieved, I think generically any person would say, well, they probably underachieved because they didn't give maximum effort. Now you throw Pedro Grofal in there who not only – knows exactly about the White Sox, knows the players, some of them personally. And so he can reach those people and say, hey, this 2022 was unacceptable for anybody's standards, much less you guys' standards, because you guys are supposed to be Luis Robert and Yoan Mancada and Tim Anderson and et cetera. You guys were not. So we're going to get you to respect that who you are is at the top of the league, never in the middle, never middling. So... I was looking at afar from you guys. This is Pedro Grafal. Looking at afar from you guys in nine years, and you guys winning only one division is unacceptable. You guys are way ta- more talented than anybody in this division, and I'm. it's my job to make you much better, and I'm glad that he's here, and I'm glad that he had an eye for the White Sox and saw them, and it's like, nah, not at all. They should be trying 100% each time. If they are giving multiple efforts, they can beat anybody in this league, and I think that he sees that and I hope he can relay that to the players and they can give their maximum effort every time they go out there. The other part that's interesting, too, that Herb brought up is the fact that it is an intra-division hire, uh, Pedro Grafal, coming from the Royals uh, and them having their own managerial search. Uh, what did you ma- make of the White Sox being the last to hire a manager and them ending up hiring a guy the Royals technically didn't hire? That, that was a question that I had initially was – why didn't the Royals hire this guy themselves or why aren't they, they trying to keep him in Kansas city and who knows behind the scenes, there could be other factors, you know, it could be a, you know, it could be a lot of things, but that was something that I wondered about. And I think that's probably a question on a lot of fans minds is, well, why, you know, if this guy's so great, we're hearing all these wonderful things about him. Why aren't you keeping him there? Um, But that's again, we're glad he's here based on what we're hearing so far. And I do really like the fact that he's coming from within the division because, like Herb said, you know he knows the team already. And there is such an advantage to – I've watched you guys from the other side, and I've gotten a lot of practice at studying your weaknesses and looking for ways to exploit what you guys – you know, where you have flaws or faults or, you know, where you fall short. And so you'd like to think that that can lead to, all right, here's what we need to do to correct those things. Because in a lot of ways, this roster is not going to be too much different from what it was last year, or, you know, I guess this year. But 
And it's a roster that going into the season, on paper at least, everybody thought this is the team that's going to win the AL Central. They're contenders to go deep into the postseason. And so when you go into the following year with a, mostly the same roster, there's every reason to think that under the right leadership, they can get get back to where we all expected they were going to be. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, regime, that's for sure. Uh, first uh, regime to not have White Sox ties uh, since, I guess, Jerry Manuel? They said counting? before Jerry Manuel, because apparently Jerry Manuel was a low-level scout for the White Sox when he first started uh, doing stuff after his playing career. So, so Gene like, Lamont. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gene Lamont. It's ridiculous. Like, uh, one of the first managers I ever remember as a White Sox fan was the last time they hired a guy from outside the organization. And you could even say Gene Lamont, I mean, he technically isn't, but he was, like, part of what, uh, I think, part of uh, Jim Leland and them, who was a coach under Tony and such. So he had close ties and relationships. So even that is, he didn't have White Sox ties, but he knew white people who had White Sox ties. And that probably helped him get the job. After, uh, who was it, Jeff Torberg got fired. Did he have White Sox ties? I'm sure he did. <laughs> knowing, knowing Jerry, he, I'm sure he did. And uh, hey, Alex, in the chat, uh, nice to see you. Yeah, it, it is uh, so far so slow uh, with the MLB uh uh, free agency, not a lot happening. Uh, I know on the uh, other side of town, it is getting a little bit, uh, you know, interesting. And they're they're in a talking, fun spot talking. where yeah, yeah where they're the people are looking at him or are looking at them as uh, potential spenders. Uh, Joey, uh, we are going to be opening up the mailbag today. We have the uh, CHGO Lounge. If you are a CHGO member, we have a Discord channel where you get to ask. Drop us the questions. comments right here. Drop them in right here. I'll be I'll be monitoring them. That's true, uh, but we do have some mailbag questions from the uh, the yes, we the do. Discord. Is that is uh, it my is it my turn to put those up? Yeah, it's, it, I'm, I'm queuing you. Okay, uh, here we go. The Cubs are going to be spending this year, and we do have the Abreu question. Uh, if you do have that, sorry, one. I don't know which one's which. It's so. all good. Flash, Ooh, bear um, with me here. There you go. There we go. That's perfect. Uh, it's from our guy Shane Newbanks, uh, he said, "When are the Cubs signing Abreu?" So, Jared, being a guy who covers both the White Sox and the Cubs, uh, yeah. what is your temperature reading on this? Are the Cubs going to be signing Jose Abreu? It sure seems like there's some meat on this bone. Um, the Cubs really have not had a proper first baseman since they traded Anthony Rizzo. I don't expect, even though Anthony Rizzo rejected the qualifying offer from the Yankees, I don't think he has any interest in going back to the Cubs, so you can kind of take his name off of, off of their wish list. And it's a move that makes a lot of sense for the Cubs. I think that I can see why Abreu would find it appealing. He gets to stay in Chicago. Um and join a team that maybe is on the rise. So, yeah, I think this is pretty legit. I don't know how White Sox fans are going to feel about that, seeing him in a Cubs uniform. But it, it's it's looking pretty likely. Yeah, I, I have heard some rumors about the Red Sox, though. Wherever he goes, I hope he doesn't go to the Houston Astros. If it's Cubs, it's going to be hurting, but at least I get to watch him. Well, I don't because fucking Marquis. But we have it on the TV over here. Yeah, but I won't be watching that. I'll be watching the White Sox lose that at that time. We got two TVs over there. Yeah, you could sit on the couch. We've we done both Cubs <laughs> and Sox on TV. Come on. Yeah, but I would be very, <laughs> very sad if he goes to the Houston Astros. But the Cubs would make sense, as Jared said. Don't have to change his uh, offseason or in season address. His family could be comfortable with him. He murders at Wrigley Field. Um, he would be. Uh, Awesome addition to that uh, Cubs lineup. I think that, as he said, uh, Jared said with uh, Anthony, he will, I believe, go to a former organization. 
but not the Cubs. I believe the San Diego Padres would be perfect for him. Go back out there, short right field porch with all the talent they have. He would have zero uh, pressure on him to produce, especially since their first baseman in the last couple of years have been Eric Hosmer and Will Myers, overpaid and not performing guys. Uh, he'll go out there and uh, kill Anthony Rizzo would, and then Jose Abreu would be another person who would be available to go out to the San Diego Padres, but I think that might be a little too far from his offseason home in Miami for him to be doing most of his games on the West Coast. Let me bring up Hosmer. The Red Sox are already paying Hosmer, so that's why oh. I find it uh, difficult uh, for them to uh, you know go out and get Abreu, but Cubs or Padres, which would make more sense for Abreu, and I mean, even the Rizzo thing, I mean, let's ask this first, like, who would you rather have if you're building a team at first base, Rizzo or Abreu? If I'm just generic baseball fan with no bias, Anthony Rizzo. You know, the home runs have stayed pretty consistent through his career. The lefty power bat is a thing. You know, it's something the White Sox haven't had in a while. And so to have that in a stadium like San Diego or Wrigley or guaranteed rate field is a plus. I know Jose Abreu is a model consistency. He posts and he'll usually give you the good numbers. But if we're talking about those two, I think Jose is like two and a half, if not three years older than Anthony Rizzo. So that factors into it. I'm thinking you're probably going to be paying the same amount of money. So if I'm going to be paying a 36-year-old or a 33-year-old, I'm going to give the 33-year-old who they have comparable stats, I'm going to give him the money for a longer deal. Yeah, it comes down to a lot of the same things for me. Um, the only the only thing that might sway me the other way is the fact that Jose Abreu's got an MVP award. And, and I, I mean, does it? When I think about guys yeah. who I'm thinking about the Cubs in particular, um, somebody who could really have an impact on their clubhouse. There's some young guys on that Cubs team, like Christopher Morel, who would benefit immensely from having someone like Jose Jose Abreu around. Uh, he he. Learned a lot from Wilson Contreras this past year. And obviously Contreras is on his way elsewhere. Um, so if if it's about the Cubs, then I think Abreu makes a lot of sense for that reason too. Um, but yeah, in general, I, I would take Rizzo of the two of them for sure. And then for the Cubs specifically though, like going back to Rizzo, is that somewhat like the Royals going to Pedro Griffol? Is it too insular? Is it too, you know, of the same? Like, is it, is it unlikely or, or would you, like, if you had to put what yeah. is more likely Abreu or a Rizzo reunion? I think, I think Abreu is more likely for them. And I, I think some of that too with Rizzo has to do with the fact that he didn't leave here on, on Rizzo, didn't leave here on a really good note. You know, there were some bad feelings about the way the contract negotiations went, the extension offers that he was getting, and then I don't think he really liked the way that things were handled at the trade deadline. And so my impression with him is that he's he's very happy with what happened during his time with the Cubs, but I don't see him looking to revisit that or come back to Chicago maybe at the very, very end of his career, but he's still 33, and I think – wants to spend a few years somewhere else. I can see San Diego being very appealing because they're a team on the rise in the National League that with the right couple of additions could make a huge difference. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's – I don't want to – it's not like bad blood, but I think just a, enough of a sour taste in his mouth that Rizzo isn't, isn't really going to be looking to the Cubs. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I remember he was saying bye to Bruce Levine and crying in his interview. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple, like, you know, he was, he was crying outside uh, of Wrigley there. And uh, even though he didn't grow up in the Cubs organization as he was a Boston Red Sox and a Padre before he became a Cub, most Cub fans, and I'm sure he did, felt as if he was the modern day, and I hate to do it, Mr. Cub, because the man already has his name, and he's buried in a cemetery up north. His name is Ernie Banks. He's the modern-day Mr. Cub, and so he felt like he should be treated as such. I'm still in my prime. Why are you trading me away? All it takes, I'm not looking for to break the bank. I'm looking for a fair market deal. And I remember those negotiations, very, very contentious. And, you know, initially uh, it was Chris Bryant coming out years before where he's like, you know, we're not going to be, I'm not going to be settling for anything less than what my market value is. And fans kind of turned on him because he turned to more of the player rep and the business guy. Lost a couple games. And that's why Rizzo, I think, slid into Mr. Cub because he was always positive, you know, playing with a, a twisted ankle. It was really mm-hmm. bloodied. And so people saw him and say, that guy is Cub all the way. And so coming into the negotiations, I'm sure he felt like, hey, they're going to treat me as such. They're going to treat me like they need me. And they saw what was after Rizzo. Frank Schwindel, yeah, he had that good half year, but this past 2022 was terrible. And so they didn't have anything in the pipeline to replace him. And just to trade him away for nothing, I mean, they got some for it, but to trade him away and not really go in good faith in the negotiations, which they haven't re-signed any of those players. Every single one of them has gotten traded or like Wilson Contreras is just going to walk away free agent. And – he could feel a certain way about how the Cubs and the Ricketses did with that whole regime, which I think they should have kept at least two or three of those players around, and they didn't keep anybody around. It didn't matter what Rizzo did for the organization. It just mattered at the end of the day about business. Yeah, and even with Rizzo oh, – no, go ahead. I was going to say there's – and also when you consider he was there under a very team-friendly right. contract. I was about to say that. He, that was like 44 million, seven years, Seven years, 44 million. million. Oh. Dropping the bucket. Amazing that they had him on a deal like that. And he was there. I mean, I think Aloy Jimenez signed something similar, and he hadn't even swung a bat yet in the major league game. And and then he was, you know, also considering the fact that he was there through the 2012, 2013 seasons when things were just ugly. um, He was was there through all of that and really rode that whole rise to the World Series team. It had been there every step of the way. And then, yeah, I can see why he would feel like you guys didn't show me the respect that I feel like I earned. So, yeah, again, all that to say, I I can't imagine if Jed called him if he's even going to pick up the phone. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Alex in the comments saying that bridge is burned. So, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe so. Uh, and I'm with, uh, you know, his name is Stupid Donkey, but I think it's a smart comment. Uh, I'm with Stupid Donkey in the chat saying, hope a bray you can compete for a championship somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if that's the Cubs. And sorry, Cody and Luke and Ryan and, and Corey, but at least in 2023, if you're saying who has a better chance to compete for a championship. We're talking about championship the whole thing, World Series. Yeah, we're just uh, talking about NL Central Championship. Oh yeah, I think it could be for NL Central Championship, not the whole thing though. Yeah, Rizzo and or Abreu would help them compete for a central title, but but yeah, they're not. I want not a World oh, Series. I want Jose Abreu to get a ring. He already yeah, has a, a central it. division. He's he's a really easy guy to root for, no matter where he's playing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with Stupid Donkey. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, we are both stupid donkeys today. Uh, and Dan from the 209 saying, uh, would you feel better with the Sox decision to let Jose Abreu walk if he ends up having moderate regression this year? Uh, I just think it is such a hard pill to swallow. I don't think that you can really ever feel good about the decision, but the only way that you could feel good about the decision is if what the intention is of these younger players growing into their natural positions, uh, as long as that window stays open, that just might have to happen. He was only signed to a three-year deal. If they wanted him here longer, they could have made that happen when he was a free agent, and they could have made him a lifetime White Sox if, yeah, if that was the idea. Jose ruined his leverage by saying he's going to come back no matter what. So you're already killed this time. And so I think, but you he, know. But, but to be fair, he said that because the qualifying offer was extended to him, and then he said No, he that said that before he ever, before oh, the season right, even started, at the end of the season. And, yes, they offered the qualifying offer, then he signed an extension off of that. Um, but no, I wouldn't feel good if he had a bad year or a regression or a year that he went down. I'm like, you treat, as we're talking with uh, about Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs, you treat those guys different than you treat the rest. And Jose Abreu, I think is special. And so no matter what happens, I think it's going to be a bad move. And the White Sox have to, have to, uh, factor in. They're extra moves for that bad move. No matter what happens? No matter what happens. He's the White Sox win the World Series in twenty twenty three. That's a result of a of a of a off season. Yeah, it's good. Okay. But I was still the the move to move Jose Abreu off of first base would be the bad move. I the result of the championship doesn't say, Oh man, you wouldn't have won it without Jose Abreu. I got you. Just wanna make sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, it would be a good offseason then. They would have a good offseason overall, but moving off of one of your best players of all time would be bad. I mean, what do you make of the whole Abreu, should he stay or should he go? It's kind of, in some ways, feels a little similar to the Anthony Rizzo situation. Um, somebody who, in Abreu's case, is clearly very invested in that organization, very, very much wants to stay there, I think, if given the opportunity this offseason, he stays in a White Sox uniform, I think it means a lot to him to be in a leadership role on that team. Um, you know, we mentioned like Luis Robert, Yohan Moncada. You know, his locker is right there next to those guys. I mean, he, he's in the locker room next to um, Eloy, Luis, Moncada. Like, they're all boom, boom, boom right there next to each other. So, and – I remember too. This is a few years ago, but uh, during back when you know we still had Sox Fest, mm. and I remember asking him about, <laughs> um, you know, how he saw himself on the team, and he used the the word father, like he sees himself in that way because I think he he wants to not only see the whole team succeed, but I think specifically there's some of those guys who he feels very invested in, and I think too going back to what I said earlier about comments from players about feeling like guys weren't giving their best effort. You know, that was Abreu speaking. He never said any names directly. Yeah. He's not going to do that. But if I had to guess, I would, I would say that those are probably the guys he's thinking of and not in a negative sort of way. Like, Ugh, these guys aren't trying. I think he feels frustrated by the fact that like, guys, look at what we could accomplish if we're all doing, you know, playing up to the, the level that we can and putting forth all the effort that we can. Cause he talks a lot about I'm here every day. I'm working hard every day. I can control what I do. I can't control what other people do, things like that. So um, 
it just, yeah, it feels, I, I get the numbers. I understand all those things, the contracts, all the, you know, I, I get it, but there is still something to be said for an intangible value that a player brings to your locker room. And I think that Abreu is that kind of a guy and where the White Sox are, where they're kind of, I feel like teetering on the edge of really losing this competitive window. If I'm in charge, I make at least a really strong effort to keep Abreu there. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like Herb said, I mean, it's a, it's a lose, lose move either way. Even if you win the world series, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense just because we all know that 79 is going to be retired one day yeah. at, yeah, at yeah. the rate. So, uh, Absolutely. yeah, it, it, it is baffling. Um, Vernon saying if Abreu leaves, then that means the Sox need all help with three three bases. No, not true. I mean, like third base, they're not. Third there's not nothing's pretty, happening with third base. No, third base pretty solidified. Yeah, and the defense he needs at, coaching. Yeah, the defense <laughs> at third base yeah. is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it just needs consistency and coaching. Like you said, Moncada is when he's right, and I'll say it again: top five third baseman in the league when he's right when he's playing ball like he was in 2021 well and vernon's comment didn't make sense to me and high uh, prices on sunglasses didn't make sense to shady rays they never understood why sunglasses were so expensive so they set out to change it you don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at shady rays have you covered shady rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity substantial durability and styles cater to everyone and every lifestyle the best part about shady rays they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear lost and broken replacements if you party too hard at the chgo tailgate yesterday and you broke your shades on day one they told us they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked um again uh they stand behind their product and told us uh that if anyone has a problem they will throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right uh, but you probably won't be dealing with that issue because over 200,000 five-star reviews have been given to Shady Rays high quality sunglasses and you have the deepest deal on shadyrays.com to explore Use code CHGO for 50% on two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54, again, at ShadyRays.com, where you can find all of their newest and best shades. And next up is game time. If you're looking to go to a Bears game this season, if you're looking to go to a Bulls game this season, Joey, when's the next Bulls game? The next Bulls game is on Wednesday versus the Pelicans. Here? Nope. To New Orleans, I think. Okay. Well, yeah, sorry, not well, not here. That's good yes. because then you'll need to make some plans in the future. You know, you, you start planning. It works for New Orleans, though. You could fly down to New Orleans if you want to. If That's you're true. watching, if you're yeah. if you're a Sox fan who lives in New Orleans, open up the app. <laughs> go to a Pelicans. Go game. to the Smoothie King Center or whatever they call it now. And uh, not the, a great arena. <laughs> and use the Cape Time app. It's the hottest new ticket site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Uh, if you've ever. Uh, been a White Sox fan watching the CHGO White Sox show living in New Orleans and wanted to go to the Smoothie King Arena and watch the Bulls and Pelicans on Wednesday. The biggest last minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season if you are a White Sox fan listening in New Orleans on a Pelicans Bulls game. $12 all in tickets, 327 <laughs> Wednesday, Smoothie King. And it was, Go. Cre- it was created by the fans for the fans, and it guarantees the lowest price. Uh, but truly, if even if you're looking for a concert, uh, I found concert tickets for uh, a, a show happening at the Chicago Theater and was able to find two tickets uh, for about $15 each. So if you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets to the link in the description and join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Yeah. Any more uh, Game they're, Time apps? They're, the tickets... 
elsewhere are much cheaper than oh, they yeah. are at the United Center. Like OKC is twenty three dollars at the Jazz is twenty two, Suns is sixty four. Like these are the lowest seats all into uh, pricing that you can get from. Uh, I know last night the at the United Center was like a hundred thirty though. The only one I'm looking at that's much more expensive, Bulls, baby. of course, the Bulls at the Warriors in 12-2. It's $124. Yeah, with the NBA, it's a lot about is like you have to look at the opponent. You know, Bulls had Jokic in town last night, so there's more of a draw to go and see the two-time MVP. Costs right. a little more money. But I, And I can't name a Charlotte Hornet, and those ch- tickets are probably pretty you know cheap. Yeah. LaMelo Ball's LaMelo back. Ball. Oh, okay, LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I can't one. name two Hornets. Yeah. Gordon Hayward? Okay, I can't name three okay. Hornets. <laughs> I'll be done for you. Biznak Biambo's in, in Arizona. No, I, yeah, I think he's in on Phoenix. Yeah, I think I saw him. He used to be, though. Twitter. That's good, Herb. Um, anyways, he was a uh, bobcat before they became the Hornets. He was. Cody Zeller. Did you watch that thing? Oh, okay. I had a I had a really cool Charlotte Bobcats jersey, though, when I was little. Who, anyone on Mecca the back? Mecca Okafor. Mm, my guy. Ooh, yeah. um, also on the cover of NCAA March Madness 04. That's why I had it. Great game. Um, so you talked about leadership and possibly losing that leadership from Jose Abreu. One of the guys, when he first signed here, uh, largest contract in team history, uh, Yasmani Grandal, he immediately went on 6-7 to score and said, uh, you know, we're ready to win a, a championship for Jose Abreu. And if the White Sox are looking for veteran leadership, Yasmani Grandal in his fourth year is going to need to step up if Jose Abreu steps out um, and will in our Discord. Uh, this was before even the, uh, the uh, what's it called? The uh, Monday, mailbag, Monday. mailbag Monday uh, prop was even dropped. But he said, I can't wrap my head around wanting to get rid of Grandal. Yes, he was abysmal last year. But before he had that, he never had a season with under a 100 OPS plus or WRC plus. Um, and then Daniel Lafferty said he's a 30 four-year-old catchers those typically don't get better once they decline uh, and then will said i think don't think it's fair to use 376 plate appearances while battling injury as an indicator of decline it could be but he has the pedigree to make it worth giving him a shot um so and he would feel different if there's an obvious replacement at least in the organization we can clearly say yeah there isn't uh but at least for will uh White Sox probably can't ri- get rid of Yasmani Grandal. I mean, they could eat his money, but I think it's worth at least seeing what he has left. Um, we have a little bit more of you know what he possibly has left to give. Um, but what what are the expectations for a 34-year-old catcher after he had massive knee surgery and struggled to gain strength last year? He can't be worse than he was in 2022. You think? He God absolutely cannot be worse. Five home runs is... His power, you could tell, is drained. Like, those balls, even though he squared them up, there's very few bat flips or bat drops. You know he when he knows that he's got it, bat drop. He did it, like, only, like, three, four times. And a couple of those home runs just went over the fence because he's got natural power. He regains the power in his legs and the stamina that it takes to catch 130-plus games a year. I think he'll be back to being Yosemite Grandal of 2021 um that guy in the second half was an absolute beast and i thought that was the guy we're getting in 2022 and that's why uh, i thought the white Sox would ascend because of all the power and all the depth they have as far as if one guy goes in a slump you have four or five other guys that are pretty much at the top of the league at that position now you can't get rid of yasmani grandal as the reasons you stated his salary He's on his last year of his deal. He's 34 years old. He's a catcher that doesn't catch very well. Um, but the shift is going away. That's causing some of his batting average to go down. So having that go away, a couple seeing eye singles. I wonder if teams will do this to him 
have the right fielder like just play a de facto shift. And anything that goes over his head is going to be a double anyways because it's Yasmani Grandal. Mm-hmm. And so having the right fielder play like a shorter right field yeah. and then have yeah. him field the ball and throw it to first base to get Yasmani <laughs> out since you can't do the shift anymore. It would be creative usage over that. Uh, and I think and even if a ball goes over his head, it might be still be a single. Hell. I know, because I'm as slow as he is. Well, there's, nothing that, there's nothing against outfield shifts. I mean, just move the center fielder to right well, field, move the left fielder to center field, and make, make the right fielder play a short right. Yeah, I, I hadn't think thought about that, but you, you could. Yeah, move your right fielder in, slide the center fielder over, and they'll do that for a few years, and then they'll, they'll outlaw they'll, that. They'll outlaw that. <laughs> yeah, but, they're uh, going to go to zones in uh, the outfield. But I think yeah. a bounce back year for him and Yoan and Yo, Yo Mankata are natural next year. Yasmani, because this is the opportunity, firstly, to rebuild some of his market as going into the last contract he'll probably sign as a major league player. His 34-year-old uh, Yasmani Grandal needs to have a good year to say, okay, I could be a starter on somebody else's team. Here's one last million-dollar contract, not going to be the $73 million that he got from the White Sox. And then also to help this team as the void of Jose Abreu's gone, another Cuban can lead those guys who are Yasmani's usually to himself working hard, but to himself. But if he sees a guy go, stepping on line, hey, 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 that's not what we do here. I'm the veteran leadership now. You need to stay in line, and I'll keep you in line like this. Yeah. So it'll be very valuable that he for himself to be better this year. And I think he, he doesn't even have to, you know, having the expectation that he's going to become again Yasmani Grandal of, you know, a few years ago. He may not be able to do that, even injuries aside, at 34 years old. That's just not a reasonable expectation for a catcher, but especially given what his body has been through in the last year. But it's not going to take much to look a lot better than what he was in 2022. So even a slight improvement or meeting halfway between the 2021 version and last year's version Mm -hmm. is a huge gain for the White Sox offensively. And – yeah, now that he's been there for a few years, he's gotten to know some of these younger players. He's in a better position to step into that role, you know, that absence left by Abreu, and he can step into that role, I think, a little little more easily. So that's that's sort of the silver lining maybe to how poor 2022 was for him is you really kind of know the reason for it. The guy was injured all season long and physically not himself. And so if he really is physically able to get back to even – close to where he was before he's just bound to improve absolutely and uh, Rick Hahn said about Yasmani down in the GM meetings and this is from uh, James Fegan's recent piece in The Athletic having Yasmani be right the 2021 version much less the guy he was uh, much leading up to that the guy is a huge asset to the 2023 White Sox there's always the health risk with any player but it's more compounded with the guys who have been previously uh, had injury issues you factor in the best you can and you spend a decent amount of time looking for the underlying causes for why a guy fell off and whether the underlying metrics and analysis show reasonable expectation of of regression my biggest worry and it's not analytics or anything about regression it's the number 34 he just turned 34 years old and he has never played over 100 games as a White Sox and to be fair first season it's COVID year only 60 games so he could only play 46 but 93 in 2021 and then 99 in 2022 and my big concern then is how many catchers 34 years or older have even caught 100 games 
do you, do you do research? Yeah, I did. You want to you want to guess? How where, where, how far are we going back? Um, ever. Oh, Jesus Christ! Wow. Um, thirty four years old that caught over a hundred games mm-hmm. in a season. I would say the number is like twenty. Okay, it's definitely more than that. One hundred and forty three. Okay, all right, but that's still not a but lot. These are you're, all you're these people are from like ever, right? Ever. Yeah, since nineteen. I think oh, this one? goes back to eighty seven. No, 1887. I think oh, it's 1887. Yeah. So it goes all the way back. Hmm. So that's, yeah. I bet you most of those people are from like the 90s and then before that. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy that pops out a ton is Carlton Fisk. No shocker there. Uh, Jorge Posada pops up a, a, lot, a lot as well. Um, AJ pops up a couple times. I mean, the big number is out of those 143 that caught 100 games. Uh, if we are looking as Yasmani Grandal is this great hitter who has never had a season with 100. Uh, 100 uh, OPS plus or 100 uh, weighted run created, created less in a full season uh, outside of 2022. Only 48 catchers have had, out of those 143, only 48 catchers have had a season where they've caught 100 games and an OPS plus over 100. So Yasmani obviously has the background, but I don't know if he has the knees to do it. So that's where the conversations of Sean Murphy, I think, end up coming in and the, the, the discussion of moving him to first base, Yasmani Grandal to first base. And, I mean, and we talked about it yesterday in our pod-only version of this show. It's not a congruent move to say, hey, Jose, thanks, but, no, but we don't want you back for the 2023 White Sox because it's Andrew Vaughn time, and then immediately move Andrew Vaughn for somebody else. Those are not congruent moves. If they were just to go and get Sean Murphy without Andrew Vaughn, I'm in. Um, but that was part of the rumor, and we're going off of that. Right. But Unless you, they trade Colson Montgomery, which I would also find shocking. Me too. But I find it interesting in that piece that James Fegan wrote that yet another White Sox player feels the need to go outside the organization to get help. I wondered about that as well. It's he's, he's getting somebody from the Blackhawks. Not even right. a baseball guy. No. But – Somebody from the Blackhawks to work with him, and is, and when I read that article, I, I thought the same thing. Like, and he's flying these people in um, to come and work with him, and it's yeah, it's somebody who, like, completely outside of the organization, uh, that's interesting and potentially telling. Yeah, uh, the guy that uh, Yasmani Grandal is currently working with is uh, Chicago Blackhawks strength and conditioning coach Paul Goodman. Um, and this is from James Peace. In the past, Grandal has indicated his interest in staying in Chicago beyond the end of his four-year contract, which runs through the end of next season. Um, I-, I think that the idea is maybe just because hockey players have such strong legs. Um, yeah. Like, I-, I really don't know the the idea there. I mean, we did see the White Sox, and this was a question, I think, from Clark uh, in the CHGO lounge as well. Uh, any news about the White Sox bolstering their analytics department or their uh, uh, strength and conditioning uh, uh, departments? There was a recent announcement from a person who was formerly in the Arizona Diamondbacks yeah. organization coming over to the White Sox. We did see that. But then Rick Hahn also addressed the uh, comments about their small analytics department. And he basically said, oh, we have people that aren't in the media guide that are also a part of this organization. So uh, at least to answer Clark's question, I think is a little bit later. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to build out this strength and conditioning department, but I don't know how small it is. Like, what, what is the need for him to go outside? Um, because obviously it's not like the, the lockout's restraining him from talking to anybody right. like it was last right. year. Yeah, and uh, Logan Jones is the name of the new strength and conditioning. Well, he la- labels himself as White Sox performance coach. 
So he moved over from the D-backs to the White Sox just a couple of days ago. So it's good to see that they're hiring more, maybe newer players to get not only best performance, but solve some of these soft tissue injuries, solve some of these injuries that keep these players off the field from not playing 100 games in your three years you've already been here, uh, Jan Smani Grandal. I just, like, is there no one on the White Sox or is no one that the White Sox recommend that's a White Sox adjacent that he can work with a guy down in Miami at his own house can get better, yeah. can get stronger. But he's living in Chicago right now. That yeah. was part of the story is that he, he's staying in Chicago. I mean, there's people here in the Chicagoland area you can get that don't work for the White, don't work for the Blackhawks. Lucas Giolito, famously. I mean, it worked out for the White Sox. It's finally they got Ethan Katz as their guy. But Don Cooper was his actual pitching coach, and he went outside the organization. It's like, I'm going to go back to my high school coach and get help with my delivery. It seems like that's not a good thing for your organization if you have players. So at least it's good for your organization to have the freedom that they can ask anybody to help them, but they feel like they can ask somebody else outside the organization, hey, can you get me right? Because these guys yeah. with the White Sox have it. Because you saw Yasmani Grandal in April, and Vinny was telling us he's playing through the injury instead of rehabbing the injury and then coming back when you're 100%. Right. These are White Sox things which I think are – messed up and I don't know if it's from the organization from the strength conditioning from the doctors from the trainers but whatever they're doing they're doing it incorrectly and the players can see it for me if this this screams that they don't trust the White Sox strength and conditioning coach uh, coaching staff well I mean you mentioned as long as it's White Sox adjacent I mean Jared what do you make of this I mean Eric Eric uh, Alex saying uh, Jared and the uh, Jerry and the Wirtz family are tight obviously you know they've they've peacefully shared the United Center yeah. uh, for 25 yeah. plus years here so who knows? Yeah, it could be something where somebody within the White Sox organization said, oh, you know who you should talk to, or why don't you go work with with this guy? I, You know, the path to getting to the strength coach with the Blackhawks, there could be something there. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I still, I don't know. I still think it is interesting that given everybody you already have access to within your organization, you still choose to go outside of it. I do wonder like I said, at the fact that he went outside of baseball altogether. That does make me curious about, you know, was he just going into it saying, I want like a totally different kind of perspective. Maybe it is a hockey players and leg strength kind of thing, leg flexibility. I don't, you know. Well, I, I wonder too, because like uh, just to build on that, like there's a part of this story too in it, where James talks about during his rehab stints at AAA Charlotte in 2022, uh, Grandal would encounter catching coordinator Julio Mascara, uh, and Mascara talks about uh, we talked about a couple things to get ready to make sure when he goes down to block he relaxes that he doesn't have much impact in his legs. So knowing a little bit about hockey, the goal t- the the goaltending style of butterfly, it's all about mm-hmm. you know standing up, moving down, getting down on your your knees, and popping back up. So I would think that it's similar mo- movements as blocking pitches. So that's why I think there might be that connection between hockey and building up leg strength. Yeah, this man's in season, though, too. Like, he's working yeah. with other players. so He's, that's he's a little take, busy right now, too. Yeah, taking yeah. him away from uh, Blackhawks people. So, you know, I, whatever it is. How it busy is, is he? You it know is what I mean? White Sox. I mean, I would well, think he'll be. Well, when they're playing the games, he's probably got to be in the building. But, you know, when. Running you know, drills and such know. and make sure they're eating the right food. But, yeah, it's, I think Yasmani Grandel is due for a bounce back here. And if this strength and conditioning coach of the Blackhawks can help him out, God bless. Whatever whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you better next year in 2023. 
Yeah, I mean, it, as long as he's good, I mean, I think as long as he's not taking steroids and getting good, uh, I think people are going to be fine with it. Clark said they're going to win in the corners. <laughs> <laughs> Some greasy ghouls. <laughs> they're going to get a lot of grinders uh, through signing this, these cheap, cheap contracts. Uh, Jason Hayward, too. Uh, he's a free agent now, so maybe we'll talk about him. Congratulations, Jason. Uh, right after this break. Uh, you probably have lights in your house. You probably pay a ComEd bill. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and business in the communities we serve. That's here in Chicago and all of the Chicagoland area. We manage, uh, we serve... Sorry, the communities we serve and manage uh, energy usage and lower energy bills now into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lightings and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights. Learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facility's energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for outdoor in indoor lighting and network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost efficient than ever before. So visit comed.com slash powering biz, that's B-I-Z, now to start saving money and energy and to start a project, contact us at 1-855-433-2700. For more information, email businessee at comed.com or publicsectoree.com. And our next partner, I needed some of their nice hoodies yesterday as it was freezing in our CHGO tailgate parking lot. And you can check them out at foco.com. That's F-O-C-O. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite sports team. So get fitted in the best sports gear around. FOCO has recovered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like tomorrow with apparel from the leaders in sports, merch, and collectibles. FOCO, looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life. FOCO's got you covered with hoodies that fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below. And for all non-pre-sale items, use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Uh, That breeze was terrible. And that giant building that was like stories, stories high mm-hmm. uh, was brutal as well, blocking yeah. our sun. But we got, yeah. we got a little bit of sun yesterday. And I'm curious if someone who missed the tailgate yesterday, would will they get another opportunity to attend a CHGO Bears tailgate? That's very slick of you. Uh, yes, on December 4th, <laughs> we will have the next Bears tailgate, the final one of the season for the Bears-Packers game. So make sure you check out allchgo.com uh, for uh, tickets so you make sure that you can join and have some Green Ridge Farm meats because we have so many like just actual packages yeah. of sausage in the fridge right now that just makes me want to steal um, there's the jalapeno and cheddar ones, and yeah, I think it would just good. be a, a fantastic dinner. Uh, so, hey, I am excited for the next tailgate because that just means more meat in my life. Me too. I ate. A you're, couple, you're cutting it up with Jimbo. I ate a couple of them. I ate, like, probably three of those. Uh, there's some dancing going on. Oh, yeah, it was good. Uh, <laughs> when you play the Cupid Shuffle, I got to dance. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you killed it. Support it. Um, all right, let's get into the final questions. We'll do a little bit of rapid fire here and, and get 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 out of here. Uh, so, Joey, if we want to uh, go to the uh, next comment, pull up whatever you want. Uh, this one's from Other Sean. Looking at payroll, there isn't much a the team can afford. Uh, keeping the young guys, uh, cheap young guys, is a necessity. They could trade young minor league talent. Uh, question: What free agent outfielders are available and affordable that they should sign? No dreams, just reality. Reality for Jason Hayward. He's now a free agent. Um, you're making that face, but he might be cheap. Uh, I, I mean, he's got a gold glove. I mean, what do we yeah, think no. of uh, Jason Hayward? No, no, it, no. <laughs> I love the guy. He, yeah. I love to hear him talk. I love to uh, converse with him. 
He's a very heady man and a leader. But no, I don't need that. Unless he wants to be the manager eventually, which I think he'll be a good one. Not as a baseball player. I think he's cooked. He's washed, which is fine. He got his money. He got his championship. And I think he's fine with... You know how his career is winding down, and uh, as a White Sox fan, uh, I would just look from at afar and say, "Hey, whatever you do on some other team, I'm going to cheer you from afar." But hopefully, they don't offer him anything—not even a minor league deal, because that's not what we've that, banking on. Jason Hayward to be the 26-year-old the Cubs signed is—it's a minor dumb. league deal. No, it, what did Johnny Cueto do for you on a minor league deal? Stop it. Johnny Cueto was like a four and a half ERA last year with San Francisco. So he at least was like a major league pitcher that was doing well. From 2019 to 2020, Jason, Jason Hayward had a 106 OPS. Yeah. Well, give me a flux capacitor and uh, uh, what is that? 1.21 uh, gigawatts I, and I'll, I'll get that Jason Hayward back. Get him with as, Chris Johnson. As someone who s- spent years covering the team, the Cubs, and – Therefore, years of, all right, this is the year that Hayward's going to get it together at the plate. He's fixed his swing. He's done this. He's worked with this guy and then continued to see the poor man ground out to second base. Um, it's just And like her, Jason Hayward is one of my most favorite people in baseball. Just as a human being, as a man, you don't find many better than him. Uh, but White Sox, don't sign him. Spend your money elsewhere even on a minor league deal because you're just you're you're giving him money in hopes that something that's is going to happen that hasn't happened in several years now mm-hmm. really long time I don't know. I mean, you look at 2021 StatCast's max exit velocity was in the 95th percentile. I don't know. I feel like this is what Cubs fans were doing. Exit for velocity last. right into the ground on its way to the second base. <laughs> we can fix them. We can fix them. Uh, <laughs> if, if we are going to work in reality here, I brought up the names Joey Gallo and Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, I think at least Gallo. I know people are worried about the 160 batting average. Um, I think he had 57 hits last year and 17 of them were home runs. But if the White Sox need left-handed power, is that not the guy? Yeah, and and they they hurt for power last year, and their home run numbers were down significantly. So somebody who can who can help boost those numbers, especially from the left-handed side of the plate. And yeah, you you hope that you can fix whatever led to that 160 batting average. But between, the, I mean, they they both would be, I think, great additions for a team that could use some veteran leadership. Again, to fill the void that's going to be left by Abreu. McCutcheon's another great guy. Um, but, yeah, I love the, the Gallo possibility. And I don't know who we, what we were talking to yesterday. It was either uh, Baloney Peter or uh, Jimbo about the platoon that they might employ out there in left field. You get a person like Joey Gallo to face right-handers for the most part, mm-hmm. and then you pair him with Tommy Pham, another free agent who's a right-hander yes. who can play – both the corner outfielders, he's a little uh, up yeah, yeah. there in, with, with the, the mentals, but he's nothing not, like veteran leadership like that ugh, guy. Whew, he's, he's he'll run real, one tight fantasy he'll, league. He'll make sure that, you know, you don't get out of line, JLC. He'll, he'll lead, the, lead you in something. Sorry, yeah. slaps. Sorry, JLC. Um, and that would be a one complete left fielder you can have there, which you're not spending millions of dollars. You're probably spending for that combination, what, $20 million total? On Fam and Gallo, yeah. If not, if I that, guess, yeah, I would, I would say even less than that. Yeah, probably so, do it. so if they want to be White Sox, you know, do a White Sox type move, that would be a White Sox top move. 
Gallo's such a weird one. Yeah, Fam's probably not going to cost more than like five million, or, or I think he made six million last year. But Gallo's like a weird one. Like people might really yeah. fall in love with him. Like Colorado's pretty stupid, and Colorado spends a lot of money. So yes. I don't well, know. and like other Sean pointed out, the fact that the shift is going away may may help Gallo's batting average come back up a little. So. Um, I'm talking myself into this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have I to mean, some we, White Sox players. I, seeing that short right field porch and guaranteed rate hitting the 108 from time to time, sending balls there, I could see that happening at least 20 times in that ballpark next year. And if that we get a 20 home runs from a corner outfielder, it's been a minute. It's been a real long minute. I mean, I know Aloy hit it, what, two or three it years was, ago? No, it's Daniel Polka. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> Probably for right fielder. I mean, wow. Aloy did hit 20-plus home runs. No, he hit yeah. 31 in his he rookie hit, year. He hit 31. And went in 2019. So who was, the guy, who was the guy after that, though? I think it was Daniel Polka. <laughs> no, Daniel Polka wasn't in our good in our good years, was he? He was in, like, 2019 alongside Aloy, wasn't he? Um, he wasn't in the 2020 team. I'm pretty guaranteed that. I think he was that. gone by then. Yeah. 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 I think, but he, he hit, what, 20? Yeah, he hit a bit, bunch of home runs. 28? Yeah. 27 in 2018. So, um, and, and most of those coming to right field. Uh, Gallo did hit, what was this, 20, 38 home runs in 2021. Uh, and, and the one thing, too, just bringing up the shift, he had 10 plate appearances in 2022 not facing the shift and had a way to get on base percentage of like 287 against the shift the 90% of the time it was like a 273 um it was much better in 2021 so hopefully just new scene and not being in New York in LA could boost him but again that's why I think someone might just fall in love with him because he does have that that crazy crazy power um and Masman I see you Gallo does strike out a bunch I don't mind strikeouts if you're hitting a bunch of home runs I don't mind at all if you're hitting 30 home runs a year, you strike out 200. I think sometimes you gotta you gotta just have that on the team sometimes. Because I'm tired of having strikeouts without the home runs, which mm-hmm. we've had this past year. Right. So might as well shoot for the downs every once in a while. And if you strike out, you strike out. Sometimes strikeouts are the best outs. Well, and the thing too, I mean, like you know, old Babe Ruth used to lead the league in strikeouts every now now and then. Five times he led the league in strikeouts just because his whole idea was I'm going to try to hit the hell out of the ball every time I swing. So you know, if you do end up hitting the ball and hitting the hell out of it, you know, 38 and, times, yeah. that's pretty good. And theoretically, Gallo would be the fourth, fifth, if not fifth or sixth player you're going to count on offensively if he's on this White Sox team, if everything's going right. Yeah. You're much more invested in Yoan, Luis, Aloy, Andrew Vaughn, and probably Yasmani Grandal. And so he can do that. He could just like, hey, you're a home run guy. Hit home runs. That's the right hand on the bump. You four at bat, see if you can take one out. Right. Cool? Break. Yeah. And, and he's going to be great defensively. Guys. Somebody brought this up. Other Sean pointed out. You're going to have an upgrade defensively out of any left field you put out there for the White Sox. That's true, and we'll get to Gavin Sheets in just a second. Uh, some other names that are out there uh, that I think just looking for left-handed outfielders. Uh, ben Attendee, but he doesn't hit mm-hmm. a ton. Uh, you also have David Peralta, who was just with the Arizona team and also the uh, the Rays. Um, and and you like I like Profar. You like Profar? I like Jerison. You think he's going to end up in San Diego, or you think they're moving on? I think they probably would move on from him because they have to put uh, – Fernando Tatis somewhere, probably it's going to be in center field. So then you got to move your center fielder, who's a gold glover, Trey Grisham, to left field because he probably can't play right because he, he has an arm, but I don't think he has a right fielder's arm. So 
Tatis will probably have to play center or right field, and you have to move somebody else to left field, and that'll be the end of Jerickson Profar. There you go. Um, but he, he's also got some some flexibility, which mm-hmm. which I which I like about him. Uh, and the other name I'd throw in there too is is Conforto, uh, just because he might be cheap for what he could produce uh, if he is fully healthy. All right, Joey, let's go to some of these other final questions here from the Discord. Um, we got this one from Clark. We did answer this. Uh, any updates to the strength and conditioning uh, and analytics department? Rick Hahn said. The analytics department is bigger than you think it is or bigger than we reported it is. And then you, uh, Jackson Knox, what was this guy's name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever uh, I the, the new guy's name Logan from something. Arizona. Logan Ryan, uh, or is that a yeah, defensive the, back? He's a defensive back for the Tennessee um, Titans. Next up, we got from Alex Potnos. Um, we all know, except Jones. Sean, there's no way Andrew Vaughn's uh, legs are going to make up for a Braves production. But what do you think will be the impact of losing a Braves leadership? Uh, would it throw the team into more chaos or would losing P2 force that young core t- uh, of players to take the next step forward as leaders? Uh, would leadership from Robert, Jimenez, Vaughn, and Moncada make a bigger impact on the team than Pito's 30 and 100? We kind of answered this a little bit, but uh, let's just t- throw in who's your daddy's question as well, uh, being Lance Lynn for Jeff McNeil, who says no. Um, so if the White Sox get rid of let's say, Jose Abreu and Lance Lynn. Oof, what does this clubhouse like look like? I don't like that at all. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos. I, I say no to that. Yeah. Yeah, I love Jeff McNeil. Awesome. Lefty bat, second baseman, power, all that good stuff. But you're losing a, a rotation piece, and you don't usually, and Rick Hahn doesn't like trading pitchers without getting a tr- pitcher back, and then you would have another hole in the starting rotation, which uh, they currently have. They don't have a fifth starter, and some would say they don't have a fourth starter as Lucas Giolito struggled this year. But I think Jose Abreu is more of a leader by example, as Jared was saying. He's like, I can't make these people work out. I work out every day. I do this. I'm leading by example. I'm doing this, guys. You see the numbers. You see the health. You see you see me at the end of the year with all these games. How do you think I get there? How do you think I stay in the game? Because I work out. Now, you can come along with me, or you cannot. I can, I can yeah. only – offer you the chance to work out with me. And I think Johnny Cueto did that the same. Ronaldo Lopez didn't want to run stadiums, but we saw at the end of the year, Luis Robert joined him one time. Those things are rub off on you. Now you don't have that leader in Jose Abreu. And then if you don't have the leader in Lance Lynn, who is no nonsense, no one wants to cross Lance. And as Vinny has said many times, and Jared can give you an example too. People look forward to him and listen to him and listen to Liam and listen to Jose Abreu in that clubhouse and Tim to a certain extent in that clubhouse and they follow the lead of those guys. And so I think losing both of those guys, not just the players and the production, the leadership that's in the clubhouse would be tough. Yeah, I'm, I have nothing to add would, to that. That's exactly how I feel. It would be ugly. <laughs> um, let's go to the uh, report card now for Gavin Sheets, and thank you to everybody in the CHGO Lounge sending in your mailbag Monday questions. Uh, Gavin Sheets is the next player that we have to give a report card to. Uh, and there was a question, too, about, uh, you know, uh, trading some of these younger players and and, and what's the, 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 the idea of trading these players if you actually can't get rid of some salary. Um, you'd need Gavin Sheets to step up a big – time or immensely if you're not going to be spending a ton uh, this year so now joey that you got the report card and we'll flash it uh gavin sheets for the 2022 season offense uh got a c defense d minus and overall he got a c minus uh at least let's start with defense here i know uh, our guy beeflo from section 108 and Cherizi were saying that uh he was looking a little bit better later on in the mm-hmm. season uh his best season in or best month in left field was september 
where he had a zero outs above average. But outside of that, he had the third best arm on the team, uh, which is all right. Uh, but is, also sad. the 87th out of 90th worst jump out of outfielders in all of MLB. So overall, we're going to give him a D minus because he's an okay arm. I think uh, his offense was graded on and how we get that, got that C was graded on how bad he was initially. He went down to AAA, fixed his swing, and came back with a power stick and also adjusted to what the shifts were doing to him. You're going to play me in a shift? Cool. I'll let this ball travel deep and hit that ball over to third base uh, shortstop side and get me a knock. Um, I just think the guy didn't hit as well as we init- as we see at the end of the year. The numbers speak for themselves. Like he was worse than he was last year in all the categories that you look for, average, on base, and slugging percentage. And the year before, we're like, good, good fr- rookie year as we weren't expecting this from you. Can you build off it? Which I don't think he did. He hit a couple home runs, and people felt empowered because of the lack of home run power on this team. I think he finished with 15 home runs. But for the most part, he was not good offensively, not good defensively. I wish I could give him a worse grade, but I gave him <laughs> overall a C minus. So, because it's the White Sox. It's the White Sox. Yeah, I think I was looking for him this year to build on and improve upon some of the things that he did well in 2021. And when given, he had 410 plate appearances, which is pretty close to a full season. And like Herb said, just got worse in, in pretty much every category. Um, walk rate was down, not getting on base as much as OPS was down. Um, overall power numbers were down and just, you know, not the direction at all that you want to see a 26 year old guy making who might be in a position where he has to become one of the more central parts of your offense in coming years. So yeah, not just very, a C is perfect for him <laughs> at the plate. Cause that's exactly what it's been. But the expectations I think going into this next year are, you've really got to step it up. Yeah, especially from the power department. I mean, it was weird, too. Him and Jake Berger just loved hitting home runs at guaranteed rate field, but nowhere stuff. else this year. <laughs> um, they, they really just struggled to find their power. And making uh, errors, too, at outside. guaranteed rate, too. Yes. They, they Both of them loved it. Jake Berger, especially. <laughs> um, but 15 home runs was right for Gavin Sheets. And after he got called up, it was a little bit better. His overall season OPS was 706 after he got called up in those 80 games, a 769 OPS, which was about league average, um, but still just not enough home runs, uh, 11 home runs uh, over those 80 games, um, which for the White Sox, a lot, yes. um, but just not consistent enough where, you know, I, I don't think I trust what 27 year old Gavin Sheets at this point going to be 27 in April 27 year old Gavin Sheets as a right field first base option I I hope Oscar Colas just beats him uh in spring training and we don't have to worry about Gavin Sheets and he could be the triple a caliber or the the quadruple a caliber player that it feels like he is he can go back home maybe a trade as I suggested and Oak um, Baltimore is just like drunk that day. He's like, man, we're just feeling so much Baltimore today. And when White Sox clubs like, Hey, Anthony Santander for uh, Gavin Chiefs. Cool. And they send him back like no trade backs. I got him. And then Santander is over to Chicago, but no, that won't happen. I just hope that he can get a chance out there in a, in his great state of Maryland, crab cakes and football. That's what Baltimore does or Maryland does. And hanging out with Boog Powell. Um, (laughs) 
And uh, Ske- sketchy areas. Mazman saying uh, Ruth also had a ton of walks. Yes, Babe Ruth was very good at baseball. Uh, not right, trying to take out. anything away from Babe yeah. Ruth. He struck out, walked a lot, and hit home runs. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Jared Willis for setting in today for Vinny Duber, and he will be back tomorrow. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at J. Willis Wise instead of Eyes, and that's Herb Lawrence. Did you hear uh, what uh, Lawrence was whistling when he went past? Uh, Hi Ho Cherio? No, the Farmer in the Dell. Isn't it the same yes, tune, but the, though? But the Farmer in the Dell <laughs> is specific to Baltimore because the wire, and that's what Omar was whistling. Uh, oh, that's deep. He's, Very he's, nice, he's, Lawrence. Okay. Lawrence is out here. Is he actually using a, the washroom, on, or did he, did he just do that? Working on a different to, level. Just so he could walk by. Yeah. And, yeah. All right, there you go. I haven't watched the wire, so that's on me. Uh, I, I haven't seen it either. Uh, <laughs> all right. Both well, of you guys need to watch it. Now we need to go to HBO Max. Uh, it's, you a wire guy, Joey? No. Okay. But I have seen I have seen some of it, and I do appreciate it. As I know that it is like considered to be, you know, it's HBO Max. It's great. Well, HBO. well, it's like it's like the second, you know, groundbreaking shows like it's, The Sopranos changed TV, and then The Wire watched. like took it and and brought it even up a, a level. Okay. Yeah, white uh, noted White Sox fan Idris Elba in the in that show, right? He is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, Stringer Bell. Uh, Action World Twenty Three. He's uh he's our CHGO White Sox oh, media leader. Uh, thank you to Joey for producing the show. You just dropping wire references now? No, I said follow him. Oh, follow him. Follow yeah. Herb. And, well, and are you at 800 yet? Oh, the race to 800 is complete. Thank you, Twitter. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Just before it shuts down. Uh, yes. So shout out <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, shout out to Joe. So I'm going to be the first person with 100K on Mastodon or whatever it's called. So that's, that's what we're up to. Best of luck. Uh, Herb gave you props for whistling. For your Farmer and Dell reference. Good there job, you. brother. All right, we'll see you tomorrow on the CHGO White Sox <laughs> podcast.